We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. All right. Welcome to the A Black Hands Podcast. We are live with you tonight. This is episode 72. Fellas, let's check in. Charles, how you doing in hot-ass Chicago? Yeah, it is hot, bro. Y'all, y'all can hear this fan in the background, but uh, it ain't going nowhere. It's going to be here. Um, I'm doing well, man. Just, just, just busy. Dr. Fuller, as a gift for doing this, sent me a book. You see this thick-ass book Dr. Fuller sent me? So... And and like I think he was expecting me to kind of be done with it soon. So, <laughs> that, was, that's what I'm, I'm doing. Sure. That's that's how Dr. Fuller gets down. So I, I'm obliging. That's what's up, man. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Reef, how you doing, bro? Good, man. It's it's hot, but I don't think it's as hot as it is in in uh, in Chai Town. Uh, was out earlier harvesting a little bit of honey, just a little bit. We, you know, they didn't. They weren't as active as they were, but got a little, little bit of honey shot around uh, to my mom's. Got to visit her. Had a surprise guest from uh, from Texas who I actually met in Iran. So it was good to see this uh, black brother and his family. So doing well, doing well. That's what's up, Chris. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's not hot here though because I have a bougie family. So the <laughs> the air conditioning is at a such, it, it, I don't remember anything like it except for growing up in New Orleans and in my grandmother's room where the one air conditioner was. It was <laughs> ice cold and everywhere else in the house, it was hot as hell. Um, that's the way it is in my house right now. The whole house is like my grandmother's room right now. Yeah. Uh, but good, other than that, man, just been writing and staying home and, and trying to be healthy. That's what's up, bro. All right, so tonight we have an esteemed guest, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce this brother to y'all. So undergraduate degree from John Hopkins University, medical school from the University of Maryland. Wow. Then he did his residency at the number 45 school in the world, the University of Stony Brook. We got our guest, Dr. Jadan Phillips. He's also one of my fraternity brothers, 8888 from Cod Chapter. How you doing, bro? I'm Good. doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, nice to meet everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm eager. I've been bugging Ray a little bit. He actually came for his physical the other day, and I was like, yo, man, I'm feeling a way that I haven't been included <laughs> in the cipher yet. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to chop it up with you fellas, you know, again, you know, just excited to be here. Thank you. No, I was glad glad you're here, especially as you were my almost brother, almost fraternity Jesus brother. So I appreciate it. He won't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so might be some people from that school on here right now. What you say? <laughs> he don't. He don't care. All right. So if, if you're if you're in the audience and you're checking in, where are you on your happy meters right now? On a scale of one to ten, let us know where you're at on your happy meters. Um. So, sir, we brought you on the show, man. We want to talk about some health issues, kind of building off of our last episode. We had a, a, a crazy last episode with uh, with Hillary Beard, and she was talking, giving us uh, insight on just how to deal with COVID-19 and, and, and work-life balance, right? So we thought as a follow-up to the show, it would be really good to get a doctor on here to kind of enlighten our folks in our communities 
about what they need to be doing right now, right? So the first question we got for you is, uh, what kind of health issues are you seeing in uh, from people of color and in, in, in communities of color? Well, again, I think, you know, just tying it up to the bigger picture, which is COVID-19, I think, unfortunately, this has been like the perfect storm in a bad way for us because we have chronically, as people of color, African-Americans, had the worst health matrix in the United States. You know, we have, uh, we suffer from chronic conditions like heart disease, stroke, diabetes at a much higher level. We um, have an epidemic of obesity in our communities. So, you know, I think this storm, which is the pandemic and COVID has unfortunately highlighted it. Now, I think there is some positive in it because it's not like any of these situations are new. But, you know, again, I think with the world stopping per se with what's going on with the pandemic, we've been able to have more attention to these disparities that are in our community. So I think that we're in a position because these are things that we've been thinking about uh, trying to address in our individual work, you know, so now that we get an opportunity to talk about it, we know what's going on. We know what is happening. We know what we need to do. But, you know, again, I think the other thing that's happening is the society as a whole is being exposed in a way that they can't ignore these health disparities that exist in our community because they've been unfortunately underlined with what has happened with COVID-19. That's what's up. So, fellas, jump in, man. When y'all hear this and y'all hear about these disparities in our communities, man, what goes through y'all's mind in terms of what we can do? Man, I I think some of it is just, you know, like our, our legacy and like what we've what we've inherited from uh, from our family members, from our community, you know, and sometimes some some of it is like, hey, that wasn't a choice. It was forced on us. And, you know, we adapted as best that we could. But, you know, as they say, when you know better, you got to try to do better, you know, and that's everything from what we eat, how we eat, all of those kind of things, you know, and making those choices, which we talked a lot about last week. You know, Chris talked that we we all with witness, right? Like we're traveling. We see him like say, no, I don't eat that anymore. Right. And having that that, uh, you know, that awareness and and self-discipline. Yeah. You know, I just think that, um, you know, as far as what we can do. You know, right now, unfortunately, all we got is sticks and stones. This is like David against Goliath, real talk, because we don't have a vaccine. We don't have a treatment, but we do have effective uh, modalities that have been helpful in controlling the situation. Or at least what we're seeing here in New York, you know, we have been able to see. So I think that we've got to focus on utilizing those um, uh, tools social distancing, masking whenever it's appropriate. In addition to that, if you're concerned, get yourself tested. You know, uh, in addition to that, you know, hand sanitizing. And in addition to that, also, you know, wiping down surfaces. But I think the other thing that is the fundamental part of this is we've got to look at our own personal health and well-being, our health being our physical health, but in addition, our mental and spiritual health as well, because unfortunately, you know, because we are not in a strong place where it comes to those metrics, this plague or pandemic is going to exploit that. 
You know, so if you haven't been taking care of your health and I'm going to embarrass my, my man right here, but he came in. I had to chin check him about a year ago about his health. And my man came in here 10 pounds down like he was in fighting trim, you know, and his numbers reflected that. And real talk, if we're not hey, I got talking herpa, about. I got, I got FERPA protection here, you know, relax. If we're not talking about a vaccine and we're not talking about medicine, then your health and your protective measurements or measures are going to be your defense and protecting you. And ultimately, mm-hmm. if you are a person who's taking care of a household, you also taking care of your household as far as making sure that you take care of yourself. So like today, when I go out and I go bike riding and I see all of these people out here, not just the white people, the black people too, the spa- everybody's out there because I think people recognize that we have to be stronger as individuals, and if collectively, individually, we're stronger, we can, in, adi- in addition, make ourselves stronger as a, as a community because we are only as strong as our weakest link. And unfortunately, our communities of color, our communities that have these disparities, I say that we're in the got to zone. I got to go to work. I got to go to that work or job site where I'm in a high risk high traffic situation. I got to be home with my family because I'm not in a situation where I'm fortunate to either have the space to socially distance in the crib, nor am I in a community where we have the resources to give the people an opportunity to go outside and occupy their energy and space. So, you know, I think that unfortunately, like I said, this has been the perfect storm, but we got to flip it and make it a moment where we educate and hopefully get people to participate in this process of changing what this, these circumstances are for us. Chris, jump in, man. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, when I hear this, I think that the tough part is is like changing behavior and changing your own behavior. And uh, when it comes to things like diet and stress and what we consume and, you know, just how much we do in life uh, in terms of exercise and all that, it's hard because you get into patterns. First of all, let's just start with food. Um, Well, well, first of all, let me just start here. Um, I'm looking at this list of the CDC's um, top reasons for uh, black males uh, dying and heart disease is is. It's, it's in our face everywhere whenever you talk about health as black people, especially as black men, heart disease, cancer, um, unintentional injuries, homicide, stroke, diabetes, respiratory disease, kidney disease um, and hypertension is like number 10. If you are between one and 44, homicide, homicide is uh, number one. Um, if you are 45 and older, it becomes heart disease, cancer, heart disease, heart disease, heart disease. And a lot of that is attributed to diet and it, you know, <laughs> I, I I grew up with family members who would say things like, you know, at least if I'm I'm going to die, I'm going to die happy, meaning I'm going to eat whatever I'm, I want to eat. You know, the fattiest stuff, the, the worst type of food. And I get it. I mean, you have a little you have few joys in your life. Uh, you want to do what you want to do. You just want to eat. But if we really wanted to be totally healthy, there's two places that I would look. One, the stuff that we can control and two, the stuff that is being controlled for us, like in the built environment. So things like environmental racism, 
Uh, we have to fight that because that's external to ourselves and it's being done to us. The fact that there's many communities across the country that have led no water and is getting into kids and kids are getting disabilities from that is an example of the built environment problems that we have to fix. But the personal ones, the diet, the exercise, the um, eating, you know, I don't want to get into anybody's specific diet because that'll cause an argument. But you can say that he brings hot Cheetos in his man purse on our trips. You can say that, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to go there and pick on people. But like, you know, there would be people that tell you if you wanted to be optimal, you would have a plant based diet. Right. And if you don't want to do plant based diet, you would still want to do a whole foods diet. Right. And you would want grass fed meat rather than other kind of meat. But but everything that I'm saying right now is expensive. Right. The cheapest stuff to eat in the United States is the stuff that kills you the, the fastest. Right. So the most affordable food in the United States is the is, is death food and, and the least affordable food, not the least, but some of the least affordable food is what's good for you. Charles, jump in there. Just making sure I unmute. Yeah, I, I think y'all y'all covered it, man. I, I think, you know, I'll use this time to even ask a question just because I think what Christian said is right. When I'm back in the Bay Area, I can get healthy snacks. <laughs> like there's, you know, you can, even in the corner stores, you can get things that are somewhat health, healthy. When I'm back in like Chicago and like, I'm like, in the black community, like you go into the, and they don't even have diet soda. They just got soda. Um, it might be one even diet option, which ain't good for you either. And, them, and that junk be a dollar. <laughs> It'd be like a dollar for like a gallon <laughs> of cola. And I, I mean, so doc, I, I, I guess there we're reading this book in my book club called switch. And they talk about the elephant and the writer, the writer is supposed to be your, the, the rational side of you that knows we need to eat better and do better. But the elephant is, multi-ton being is your emotion and it's hard to build habits. So what's some advice that you got for us uh, that our people can use around, you know, taming that elephant so we can make sure that our health is okay. And also, you know, acknowledging that there is a bunch of like cultural racism, societal racism that kind of prevents, you know, certain things from happening, but at the same time, we got to live with those results. So how do we, do those changes in the midst of the realities that we live in. So for me as a, a healthcare provider, the first thing that I do is you have to accept or take in that that's real. You know, in my household, my father wasn't the I love you dude. My father was, when I came home from college, he was like, yo, I'm making you a steak and some fries. And they were, it's a greasy steak and fries, but it tasted very good. And he would sit there and talk to me. And that was his way of conveying emotion to me. Now, unfortunately for me, I saw because I respected him and allowed him to make those food choices in spite of them not being the healthiest for him. And unfortunately, I think they contributed to his his dying. And when he died, I saw that desire to be independent lost. So the thing that I try to do with my patients is I got to sell people on the consequences of not taking that into consideration. Now, again, I understand in every community, you've got to make an assessment of what healthy food options you have. But, you know, again, just because it may not be perfect, it may not be, you know, whole foods doesn't mean that you got to go, you know, onion and garlic potato chips or a cream soda. You know, you can still buy a quart of water. 
You know, so again, I think that you've got to have the healthiest that you can find in the environment that you're in. I think if you just surrender to just saying that's what it is, unfortunately, you're going to have to deal with the weight because the weight don't care about your excuses. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have heart disease, heart disease will affect the nicest person at the most inconvenient time. Diabetes or sugar the same way. So, you know, what I try to do is I let you know what's in front of you with the decisions that you make and let you know that even though your circumstances might be such that you are dictated what certain foods are available to you. The other thing that I talk about is your, your health debit card. If you're not putting any healthy activities in, how can you expect to have some Doritos or whatever your, you know, foods that are not the healthiest for you? You know, again, same thing with a debit card. If you don't have any money that you've deposited into it, how can you expect to spend it? So my point is, if we are not not just eating, because we also have an obesity epidemic in our communities, we don't exercise, you know, as much as we should. And unfortunately, you know, I can understand that as well, because a lot of times we do not work with schedules and jobs that afford us that. But what I'm also telling you is that a heart attack ain't going to take a break on you because you got to work a night shift to take care of your family. If you have genetics and a yes, genetics can play a role in your development of chronic disease because heart disease, diabetes, those things run in the family. Like for me, I rode almost 40 miles today on my bike and I do it regularly, you know, because if I don't, obesity runs in my family, diabetes runs in my family, heart disease runs in my family. So if I don't do anything to adjust that outcome, that is what's going to happen to me. So what I try to do, Chris, is I try to let people know what the down the road consequences are. And I try to use the experiences of seeing someone I love frustrated because their health was not able to support them in the ways that they would have liked for it to support them as they aged. And I understand how frustrating that can be if you're a person who wants to be independent. So in selling that in that way, I get people that say, wow, I never thought about it that way. Okay, maybe I need, if, if even if it's a small investment, somewhat of an investment, because like I said, if you want to have those foods or those moments where you don't have the good foods to eat per se, you want to be in the position to say, I've got something in my health debit account where if I want to make a withdrawal, I can do it without incurring some type of penalty. And a lot of times because of our lack in investment in our health debit account, we make these withdrawals or attempts to make withdrawals and they have health consequences. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, speaking about uh, health debit accounts, uh, yeah, so the, the beautiful thing about this is that uh, Dr. Phillips is also my uh, primary care physician. And so when I come to him, like he gives me some of the realest uh, advice in terms of like what I need to do in terms of to keep myself healthy. And so the same way that he's talking now is the same way that he talks to his patients. And when I tell you that there is a waiting list for like a year to get an appointment with this guy, I am not 
kidding at all. And so, you know, you're waiting a year to get in with like good doctors that are going to tell you how to be like, you know, how to live your life in a way in which that can keep you alive. So just keep that in mind. But so as we transition. Yo, Ray. Yeah. Can I just show you something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just put it, share my screen. I don't, I don't know how to do that. That's Charles. Charles, share my screen, man. Share my screen. I can't. It's a heat wave. My my computer off. I'm on my phone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of rickety situation is this? You got a rickety situation. Share screen. Uh, no, that's my screen. I can't even hear you. He um, can't even hear us. Uh, what I wanted show? to what I wanted to show you. I got a picture up on my on my desk here. Is um. Uh, I, I would visit my kid's school for, for lunch all the time. And I would take pictures of their lunch sometimes. And I have a picture of one of their lunches that would blow your mind about like what was served to kids this day. Uh, we can't do the picture, so I can't pull it up to you. But but if in short, uh, what's on the plate, there's there besides an orange, what's on the plate is all fat, sugar and processed foods. 100% processed cheese, 100% processed meat, 100% processed bread, um, 100% processed condiments, uh, chocolate, sugary, sugary chocolate milk, and an orange. Mm. So, you know, one of, one of the things that I've done as a school leader that I, I definitely want to give myself a pat on the back for is that I eat the school lunch that my kids eat. Mm. And the reason okay. why I do that is to make sure that because like if, if I'm monitoring my health and I know that I can only eat like certain kinds of things, then I know what's going to be healthy for them and what's not going to bring them down a path of, of what what I may have to endure like in, in future times. And so I make sure that, you know, the, the, the vendors that we have are bringing in healthy stuff. We're doing like calorie counts based off of what their calorie intake should be for the day. And then we're also providing them with like fresh fruit and vegetables um, every time they eat. And so I think that, you know, by us doing that, you know, it, it, it's helpful for them, especially if they leave, if they live in food deserts, which takes me to our next question for Doc. So, Doc, man, how do food deserts play a role in health disparities? You kind of touched on it, but I want you to really go in. Because a lot of these folks live in food deserts and like their nearest grocery store is miles and miles away. And if you could clarify too, uh, uh, not just food deserts, but fresh food deserts too, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, because there's poppy stores like, well, I don't know if everybody calls them poppy stores, but the corner stores all over the place that don't sell stuff that should be, you know, our meals, you know, but they often are. Well, I think it's a layered approach. Um, I think you got to work on what you can effectively um, do in the short term first, which is you have to, you know, what I try to do is I have to be aware of what the food um, availability is in the community of the patient that I'm discussing things with. And then with that availability, what are the healthiest options? So again, you know, if we got the bodega and we only could do salad, go Poppy, can, can you hook me with, Lettuce and tomatoes, you know, that's it. So that's the South. You know, um, if you have beverages, you know, get water. Water's at every store. So, you know, and then, you know, making them aware of what of the bad things you should minimize, you know, the process, the sweets, et cetera. And then the other part of it is we have to get involved in what is happening in our communities on a community planning level 
so we can challenge these businesses in our community in selling foods that are healthiest, healthier for us. Okay. Uh, we got a question. Uh, Lucy Higginbottom. She asked if, uh, if, if a colon cleanse lowers your A1C. Uh, again, I don't do colon cleanses, Lucy. Uh, that would probably be a naturalist. Um, so I really can't speak on that with any type of authority. Um, again, you know, healthy GI function is part of, you know, a, a, a more um, effective approach with addressing type 2 diabetes. But I wouldn't rely on just a colon cleanse to be the way that I'm fighting my diabetes. So, again, as we we're just discussing, we need to also make sure the diet is good. We need to also make sure that we're doing some activities to control the weight. Because, again, obesity can unfortunately, and lack of activity, can unfortunately be just as, if not more, impactful than lack of a colon cleanse on outcomes with diabetes and the A1C. Gotcha. All right. Um, got another question. Uh, where are we? Sorry. Um, in the comments. Damn. Bad Charles, where you at, man? What does he? I'm here, man. Listen, bro. Everything <laughs> went out. It was just like robots, and then y'all went away, and then lights flickered off, and then it was like, oh, you're done for now. So, so if it happens again, I'll go back out. I'll just go outside and go for my phone or whatever. We but. had a Dr. Selby question. Uh, somewhere. Are you familiar with him, Doc? I'm familiar with him. What's your thoughts? Yeah, he has an authority to discuss him, but yeah, I'm familiar with Dr. Stephen. <laughs> Look, he's like, he like, stick to the stuff that y'all booked me to talk about, please. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you know cool. we can jump around, but then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, um, you know what I haven't heard is, yeah. we, we talk about this eating better and living better or whatnot, and we talk about it like it's, it's something you can switch on. Yes, and, you know, I, I have made changes in my life because I was afraid of something I've made. I, I stopped smoking because my doctor at 45 told me what happens after 45 to smokers. And it clicked for some reason to stop me from smoking. Uh, and, you know, I have a, a, a daughter, a young daughter, and I was thinking to myself just stuff like I, I want to be able to see her uh, wedding one day. Right. So that stopped me from smoking from two packs a day to nothing. Uh, um, I've changed my diet several times or whatnot, but for a lot of people, I mean, first of all, it is sugar and some of the foods that we love, like you mentioned the, uh, garlic and onion or whatever, potato chips and all those things, they have chemicals in them that are addictive. So they're not really just like, you just stop doing them. It's not like you just like, like the sugar busters diet is great. If you have strong willpower, you could just give up sugar. But sugar's in a lot of things, and it's. I, I feel like you would have withdrawals or, or something. Other stuff just wouldn't taste good, right? So you have you have the choice between a life where you enjoy your dinner and your food, uh, and you're fat, and you might you know you might something might happen to you at some point. But at least you know you're enjoying your brunch on Sundays. You're enjoying your church food. You're enjoying the stuff that your grandparents make, whatever, all that type of stuff. Or you can eat really boring food. Right. And and uh, and be healthier and live longer. That's what I would say to that is you haven't been to enough funerals yet, bro. When you start going to more funerals and especially funerals that happen a little too early or you are taking care of a man that is taking care of his family. And now because of 
is not taking care of his diabetes. He can't walk around and move. Mm -hmm. And now he's in that male frustrated place because he feels he's too young to be disabled like this. And unfortunately, because he chose to eat the good food and enjoy himself, now as he's older, he's unable to even enjoy little things. So, you know, as I said earlier, you know, everybody's not able to to sell you the benefits of how to play chess. Mm -hmm. You know, they can Mm -hmm. sell you on checkers because everybody likes those types of results. However, and this is unfortunately coming to test right now, which is, are we able to sub, to put down our desires to make sure, since I have educators on here, that my son's able to go to school in the healthiest and safest way possible? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to make sure that I am putting out a message of safety with respect to that? If I'm a business owner and I want to not lose my business because of the country closing down, I need to start investing in the message of masking and these things that are unfortunately, especially with the bars you're seeing, are getting places closed down. And these are not just bars. These are individuals, businesses. And if, you know, any of us, if we lose our business or job, that's a big thing. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, my thing is this, like I told my pops, yo, look, I'm not here to beat down no grown man, but once that stuff starts, I cannot stop it. So you mm-hmm. got to hold all of that. Well, so, you know, you like know, like embedded in the question, though, where I was kind of going with this is, do you believe that sugar and then some of the chemicals and processed food really are rise to the level of addiction? Absolutely. It, yeah, absolutely. they rise to the level. Like, And is yeah. there like a, a methadone of food? Like, is there is there something that can help us transition easier? Well, you know, you know again, losing your toe might help you. Having a heart attack <laughs> might help you. That's terrible. You know, um, you're, you're, uh, not being able to have an erection might help you. You know, um, again, I can name so many basic experiences that I ex- have people come to me about at, when their health starts to change. You know, and again, I'm in my 50s and I get people out of guys in their 30s, in their 40s, and they talking 50, 60 year old physical occurrences. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, as Ray said earlier, I will keep it 100 with you and be like, well, why wouldn't you have expected that to happen? You've done nothing to create mm-hmm. another alternative for yourself. So, again, if you want to eat those foods, And I understand the comfort. Look, I've created space so I can have a vanilla chocolate chip milkshake tonight my wife's going to make for me. So, and that my one little sweet for the week. But again, I created space so I could have that. Did you say for the week? I guess the point I'm saying is I'm not trying to come (laughs) off like I'm perfect. But what I'm trying to say, if you put a little bit of deposit in that health debit account, then when you want to have those moments, when you want to let it loose, my brother, you don't have to feel that guilt. But if you have diabetes and your A1C, which is your average sugar level, Mm. is already high, and you know that Thanksgiving time and I go to Aunt So-and-So's house, they get down. Mm -hmm. And I want to go there and eat the way I want to eat, and I haven't done anything to protect that, or better yet, 
Because I see this one a lot. You know, homecoming is next week. And I want to go down to homecoming and enjoy myself, but I ain't been taking care of my diabetes. And what do mm-hmm. we do when we go to the homecoming? We up for 48 hours straight. So my point is, if you want to have these um, opportunities to enjoy yourself and to Lucy, you know, I just used one as an example for myself. But as a diabetic, I would say you can afford maybe two to three servings of sweets weekly. But Mm. as I said, if you don't want to do it, trust me, I will point out or better yet, your health or your inability to deal with stuff that you have been able to deal with before. That will expose to you that you are making decisions Mm. that are putting you in a more negative position. Mm. Wow. That's wild, man. I, I, here's what I appreciate about this conversation, right? I think I think we live in a time again where we go from the real thing to say versus the right thing to say, and I, a lot of times people will shy away from what the actual facts and truth is around what the consequences are if we don't handle these things, right? Um, and I appreciate you just being honest because it's really eye opening when you say, "Well, what needs to happen?" You say, "Well, uh, losing a toe might help you out, right?" And it's like that's real. I guess the question that I had and, and, and Ray just joined us back. So, Ray, you can you can pull this back if you need to as far as the hosting, because I wanted to now transition as to another circumstance that a lot of people don't have control over is kids being sent back to school. And, you know, we're talking about our health and our wealth and things like that. But we're sending our kids out in an environment where we didn't deem it safe for prisoners in prisons to be in. And we let people go early. And now we're about to send kids back and we putting up little plastic folds in between desks. And I don't know if these people ever dealt with kids before, but that ain't going to really do nothing. So what advice do you have for our black parents that don't have a choice in this matter or, you know, or or whatnot? But like, what would you tell them about keeping themselves safe, keeping their, their kids safe? Because a lot of these kids live with older parents or they live with Big Mama or they live with people that's susceptible uh, because of these these issues that you just named. I think that you have to be able to speak about this. I, I have, a, you know, because I'm direct and maybe say it in a way that people understand. I have a, a frat brother who just asked me to come over and talk to his son because his son was pressing him on going to a party in the city mm-hmm. at a B&B where he would stay the weekend. And he lives with his parents and has, you know, other older relatives that he encounters regularly. And I just had to make him aware of the health consequences. How would you feel if your grandmother got sick? You know, how would you know if you sick? You know, mm-hmm. just trying mm-hmm. to educate them. I and, and I think the bigger point in what I'm trying to say is we as families have to get involved in this. Like I talk to my son like, yo, if you outside, yo, how are you going to handle um, a person who's coming up to you that you don't know if they cough, you know? So again, my thing is teaching our kids what this new normal is, because if we don't teach them and we expect the educators to be the person that's going to enlighten them. And as you said earlier, these are going to be moments that are already going to be tough because they're kids. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us as families and communities to get involved. We need to participate with the PTA and other family or community organizations. We need to be willing to go into these schools. And if they said, hey, my son is in middle school. So if they called me and and asked me if I could go stand in in a 
a class for an hour, I'm going to do it because right now we're in a new normal. This is unprecedented. I've talked to people that have been 100 years and less, and none of them have told me about any experience that has been similar to what we're going through right now. So with that being said, if I want my kids to be well, then I got to put my effort and my time and my investment in supporting the educational community. Now, I think it's important to make sure that um, the schools, we as the parents are aware of what the local statistics are. You know, when you hear these politicians that are really just talk like the president saying, look, we're just going to open schools. How can you open schools in Miami-Dade County, which is the epicenter of the world right now? They just had 10,000 new cases yesterday. So we have to be aware what the local statistics are. You know, we have to be aware, not just the safety of our students. I mean, how many of our teachers fall into high-risk categories age-wise, medical condition-wise, you know, and we have to make sure if we do have an outbreak in that school where we get some cases, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? So I think there's a lot of things that need to be thought about, you know, before you just blindly say open the schools up. And I say that understanding the importance of socializing for our children. I understand that virtual learning is not a optimal situation. But again, as individuals of color in the United States, we've never had an optimal situation. And we've been mm-hmm. all of us right here on this call have been able to succeed in spite of the minefield that is in front of us since we've been walking our path. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a lot, man. And, and Ray, my bad if I my bad if I moved us forward on that. Cause I was I cause I we know we had that great talk last week, but I don't I don't know if we got to like the kids and the school part. And I know it's a lot of people that's conflicted. So I I wanna know how you fellas think, right? Like where are y'all at right now? I mean, I, all y'all are parents. So I'm curious, you know, I can run my mouth at, about it, but, you know, I want to hear from dads that got to lead their household and make some decisions. Yeah. Well, I personally, you know. Yeah, what you doing, doing with your well kid, Doc? Tell me what you're doing with your kid. We're doing pretty well in New York. It looks like we'll probably have a hybrid system, possibly. You know, um, I feel pretty confident if we do a staggered system where there are not as many kids in the school or they do alternate days, I think, you know, I would opt for that for my son um, with the numbers as they are now. Mm-hmm. Now, if we get an outbreak in the next couple of weeks, you know, because I don't think you can make a, a decision a month before. I think you got to do it a week or two you know, make final decisions in that because the things things are changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, three months ago, New York was New York was hot. Now New York is the, the good place. And you know, people in Texas, Maryland, Delaware now, Florida, Florida, mm-hmm. Arizona, California. I mean, all of these places, unfortunately, things are not as good. So I think what's happening in the immediate locale is your first, you know, thing you need to pay attention to. 
Bro, it's 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 funny that you should mention that, man, because like, you know, as being a superintendent of a of, of a charter of a charter school out on Long Island, I gotta say this is one of the toughest decisions that I have ever had to make. And I don't really appreciate being in a position to have to make this decision. Like I don't feel like I'm readily equipped to 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 look at statistics to say, you know what, if a number is below one percent, then I'm willing to uh, put this person's life on the line, or I'm willing to make a decision to put that person's life on the line, or I'm willing to bring kids in and they be infected by uh, a disease, and then they take it home to their grandmothers or their grandfathers, and then that be over my head. It's such a huge thing that people that are in decision making spaces, um, it, 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 it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot happening. Um, but I'm glad that you're here, Doc, so that we can hear from you and and put ourselves in the best possible position to make good decisions for kids. Um, in terms of online learning, I, I think that, you know, you got to build capacity for kids in order for them to be able to, to be ready to learn online. And uh, thinking about, you know, K to two and those kids being, they're not, they're not built for, their attention spans are not built for uh, online learning. So, you know, if we could come up with a structure, at least at my school, uh, what we're doing is the structure is going to be if we can come up with enough space to bring in our K to two students on a staggered uh, day basis, allowing them to have uh, allowing us to put PPE in place and socially distance desks to where kids can be safe is the only way that we can do it. And at the end of the day, if we cannot do that, if I can't in my mind feel confident with bringing my daughter to school, then I'm not going to allow anybody else to bring their kids to school either. So that, that, that's where I'm at. If you guys are wondering in the audience, you know, where I'm at as the, the superintendent. Mm. Um, Reef, what about you, sir? What's happening? I mean, one, you know, the fact that you're, you know, you're an educator and your daughter goes to your school, you know, I think that that says a lot, like how you're thinking about it, how you're leading. We always push and challenge educators, like treat this as if your own child is in front of you. And, uh, you know, I, and I just I can appreciate that, you know, um, you know, a, a lot. You know, I one my you know, my youngest kids are staying home, you know, kindergarten, first grader. Uh, I just don't know. I'd rather stay home and for them to stay home. And then we reassess uh, during the wintertime or after Thanksgiving or something like that. But, you know, right now with all the, you know, states going up, states going down, you know, I think Tennessee just, you know, uh, 7,000 kids were uh, tested positive. And when I just think about like, just, they can't stop touching stuff in the house, you know, with one-on-one, like, I just, I just don't see how this scenario plays out. And I'm also just nervous about how much, you know, how many gallons of a, uh, hand sanitizer folks are going to be putting all over my kid too. You know, just like, you know, I, I, at some point I think that'll have a consequence down, down the line, but you know, um, and I also appreciated what you brought up Ray early about lunches. You know, I, I remember reading an article like a long time ago about the food scientists who created those lunchables, right? The crackers, the the meat, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, it's, it's not just the emotional piece. It's not just the access piece. That's it's the status symbol. symbol. Well, it's also the convenience, right? It's like, yes, it can be expensive, but it's also convenience. Like people are worked, you know, like from 
you know, all the time, people working two, three jobs, people work like all kinds of stuff. And you're just trying to be convenient. And that convenience, you know, like we used to have an after school program at, at my school called Slow Foods instead of Fast Foods, where kids would actually learn how to cook. Yo, I could not believe how many kids didn't even know how to cook because that wasn't part of the culture um, in their in their households because people were ripping and racing, ripping and racing. And so it was like, warm this up, heat this up, go to go to store, buy this for dinner. Um, so I, I think it's it's not just the, you add the, the convenience, you add the emotional piece, then you add that. Like, I hate food scientists, man. That salt sugar, uh, you know, job was is crazy. Mm. Like, it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know, um, but just thinking about like how we can use schools and, and we talk about education, right? Like part of not only the, the slow foods, but kids will have a stand and sell fresh fruits and, and vegetables and kids will buy it. A lot of people are like, oh, these these uh, West Philly kids ain't going to buy celery and, or carrots and raisins. All. They were. I definitely wouldn't have bought that. But that's <laughs> Chris, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Um, like if I'm just thinking about my own situation, like the realistic challenges, first of all, they're not going back to school. Like, so as parents, uh, no, it's just not happening. And we're in a situation where that's possible to make that decision. But as far as to me, like I'm watching science and science right now does not give me any indicators whatsoever that uh, I should trust this government or these schools with my children right now. There's just an expectation that there are going to be some people who are going to die. And I just don't want to be in that lottery. Um, So there's that part. But then there's also the part of, okay, but they hated distance learning when the district did it. They didn't hate it as much when we did our own program, like when we were piecing things together for them. So there's a challenge of coming up with what's going to be their their um, their learning system. And we're going to have to decide what that is. There's also the thing that they're, they're holding irregular hours now. They're staying up the, you know, to the wrong periods of time or whatnot. We've been a little lax on it. And one one is sleeping all the way to noon and stuff like that. And we we got to get a handle on that. And three, the there's a sugar addiction. Like, you know, what they really want to eat all the time is not the right stuff. You got to constantly be monitoring that. And then the screen time. If you're going to be locked in without your friends, the number way, one way in which they're engaging with each other is through um, Xbox. Right. So they're like their friends are on Xbox all day long from morning to night and all the way into into the early morning. Um, So this is like black belt parenting time. You don't have just one problem. It's not just about school. You got like multiple problems that you're having to deal with at once. They're going to be bored. Um, They're going to be wanting more screen time because they're they're shut in. They're going to be eating lots of comfort foods and they're not going to be wanting to do regular foods. And they're not going to be wanting to get up at breakfast time every day and and maintain a regular schedule. You know, so it's a mix of things. Um, and, and it ain't, we shouldn't talk about it at all. Like it's easy, but we should talk about it. Like it's your job though. It is my job. This is my job. This is what I signed up for. I can't whine about this. We're in a tough time. We ain't in no Sojourner Truth tough time. This ain't no like Harriet Tubman tough time, but it's a tough time. And we're going to have to just like up our game a little bit and not whine. I I just can't imagine. That's why I wanted to ask y'all because I can't like, like, you know, I'm thinking about my own grandmother who's no longer with me. And I mean, hell, man, we've had Mama Reef on the road with us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like making that a decision that could potentially get her sick. Like, I, I just I can't I can't shake it, man. I don't want to see our kids be I don't want to see poor kids across America be the new subjects of the next Tuskegee syphilis trials. Hmm. Like it, it, that's that's we know too much to, like, make these kind of mistakes 
and it, negotiating the health of not just my children, but like the, the my grandmother, my mother, you know what I'm saying? Myself, if I'm overweight or I have these debilitating issues that we spent the first 30 minutes talking about. Dr. Phillips just talked about how all of us is at risk for this stuff. And Chris and Ray bring it up a lot that it's a, thir- you know, 35 year old principles was dying from this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It, it, it's not something to just shake off. And you can say 1%, 2% or whatever the case is, but I don't really give a damn about the numbers when it hits my family. And, and like, I'm not, I just can't take those risks. So sorry for coming off a little emotional about it, but I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking about when we was in New Orleans and Sharif's mom was with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like his, I've I seen Sharif's kids. I've seen him put the barrette in his head, like just recently, right? Like they not gonna not touch stuff. They're not going to not like go hug their grandmother. They're not going to not. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. It, I'm just worried about it. And I and I think that we just been really flipping about the way that we talk about it. And I know that there's people on both sides struggling. So I, I want to be fair, but I also want to be honest to where my emotions was on the, on the, at the moment. So black Dr. Fauci. Uh, <laughs> 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 bro, yo, so bro, how, how do you feel about how they treating him, man? Because like I when I when I hear Dr. Fauci or, or when Dr. Fauci's on CNN or when he's doing the press conferences and whatnot, I tune in because I feel like he's coming from a place of knowledge, and I don't want to hear from my president. So like, what's your thoughts when you when you hear people attacking uh, Dr. Fauci, Black Dr. Fauci? Well, to, to break down what he means by that, I do a couple's. Um, spots weekly talking about um, the COVID virus for our region, for our fraternity. So, you know, um, the person who I watch and listen is Dr. Fauci. Um, Again, I'm a scientist. I'm a doctor. So I believe in science. Um, Again, you know, as a man and as, you know, as a man from the hood, I understand how people want to put a spin on what they hear. And unfortunately, you know, I think the same thing is happening on a large scale level. I think that, you know, there's a there's a politicizing of this. And what Dr. Fauci says sometimes can get entangled with what is happening politically. But unfortunately, you know, I think that Politics has to be put to the side because we are, I think we were up to 148,000 people that have died so far. I think we have 4 million people in the United States that have tested positive. So we are losing right now. And I, I listen to Dr. Fauci. I think it's a shame that people would question him, but I'm not here to fight people. There's a verse in the Bible that says, vengeance is mine, save the Lord. And how I interpret that, if you want to make a stupid decision and you want to do something because you feel that is your liberty, handle those consequences. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with science. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with protecting Chris's aunt and grandmother. And that's why I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, because I want Chris's family to be safe. So that's how I'm rocking. The people that want to do them, you know, they want to, my bar has to be open. My nail salon has to be open. Y'all deal with the consequences of those decisions because as we've seen, there's been families. I think there was just a family in Texas where 19 people at a family cookout all got found positive. Mm. So, you know, again, 
back to what was said earlier, if we want these desires, you know, we want these desires because that's what we want. We got to deal with the consequences. It's no different than those. I mean, I like uh, devil dogs, but I can have one devil dog maybe once every five to 10 years. You know, I can't rock those regularly. That's not really a healthy joint. But for that one time, if I want to have it, okay, I can. But if I'm doing that regularly, then I got to deal with the consequences. And for me personally, as a doctor and a person who is uh, trying to support, you know, preventive care, if I'm out here just being completely reckless, then people, or if I'm not looking like I'm following what I say, you know how we do. We not, yeah, whatever, son, I hear what you're saying. You know, that's how we do. We not listening. I remember I had a colleague once, he came into the room to talk to a patient and he's pretty overweight. So he's going in on this patient about how they need to lose weight. And the man tapped him on the belly with like the Pillsbury Doughboy tap and was like, you got nerve to talk about anybody. And my colleague was upset. Mm. He stomped out of the room, came to me like, can you believe what this patient just said to me? I'm like, yo, son, man, you know, you wasn't really in the place to be talking to him like that because you need to walk a little bit. Mm. Well, I'm going to say this much. Um, there's a whole nation of people that are, are getting angry about wearing masks and taking precautions in public. And I've gotten addicted to the videos of them freaking out in public <laughs> and getting crazy. And I will say there, I haven't found any black ones, right? Like I'm not, I don't see a whole bunch of black people like freaking out in Walmart. Oh my God, I, you know, I have a, a constitutional right to not wear this mask. <laughs> you know, I, I have a right to die in front of all y'all and affect all y'all like it's 28 days or something, you know, like some horror movie. Like they, And they're coughing on people. And I saw one where uh, the lady coughed on another woman's baby on purpose, oh. right? Like, yeah, yes. Like, so it's getting serious out here with these dragging, people. Dragons will occur. Hands, hands, <laughs> hands and feet. But they are so dedicated to it and they're in places where there are hot spots and they are dedicated to their ignorance. And, and we can talk about diet and all this stuff or whatnot. But black people in the United States are the number one um, buyers of household cleaning products, first of all, um, and, and actually have a different cleaning regiment of houses than the rest of the population. <laughs> and this is this is true. What I am saying right now, I could back up with research if you made me do it. Um, things like pine salt and all these other things or whatnot. I don't know that we're like the outbreak monkeys. I think the other people are the outbreak monkeys on this situation. <laughs> I think that's why we're talking so much about things like diet things we can control, like diet and stuff like that, because we're not out here acting a fool trying to catch the Rona on purpose, right? We're not having Rona parties, right? Let's, let's have a Rona party. You know, we're not doing that, you know? And we're not out here like, you know, I don't have to wear a mask. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You got people wearing socks with the eyes cut out in the black community. So, um... Yo, I can't wait to hot take this shit tomorrow, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, true. But, but, but before we transition over, so we got a, another a guy. You do hot yoga. Chris, let me put the, hates yoga. Can you talk to him about how beneficial yoga can be? Well, what I would say is this. I think as we mature, we need core strength and flexibility because it allows us or is part of a lot of these cardiac 
ailments are in, are related to uh, our girth in the midsection. Mm. You know, um, again, we can all be in a car accident. We could all fall down. The ability for our back and hips to recover from an injury is a lot of time dictated by the condition. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I became a yoga enthusiast. Uh, I started it when I was living in Brooklyn in, in probably 99, 2000. But I really didn't feel that the space was welcoming for a big, bald-headed black man that came in there, you know, on, with a, with a, uh, a hip-hop vernacular. And then in 2012, um, my son got sick with cancer. And I needed a space to really help me deal with the emotions um, that I was going through. And uh, I started to, with more conviction, do yoga. And then I started to see some changes in my body, you know, because I was developing some, you know, from years of activity, you know, lower back, hip issues. And I, I didn't want to, you know, fold it up. So, you know, because I couldn't play ball like I used to or go running, you know, I had to find an activity that I found to be challenging. And I found yoga from a physical and a spiritual standpoint to really help me. And I, I can really testify personally that it's made a big difference in my life. But, um, you know, again, it has been shown medically to be helpful in preventive health for your lower back. Uh, especially, you know, um, back problems are probably one of the biggest musculoskeletal issues that people go into the doctor for. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big yoga person, I'm, but, you know, everybody's got their thing, you know, um, but I definitely will advocate for it. And I would definitely recommend. Mm. What I try to do is for my regimen, if I'm going to be on the couch for a long time and I need to get up and go get some snacks, I try and get up really fast. Like it's a burpee. <laughs> so that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my regimen. Is that the extent, Chris, of your, your home workout, bro? Yeah, that is. That is. I try to get up like really fast, like it's a burpee. And then, and then I go yeah, you see little stars. Are you seeing little stars when you get up that fast? You know, yeah, you know, sometimes. But, you That's know, it's, it's a good workout for the core. Like, you know, once a week <laughs> or so, just get up really fast, you know. Go outside with your boy. I think... I think a lot of back patients say that's, that's exactly thing, how yeah. he ended up at the at the uh, chiropractor. But, but you know what the funny thing is? <laughs> like, is I got up really Chris fast. Chris probably lost it's the like most it. weight out of all of us since kind of starting this and has really taken, like, you know, True. big things on his health. So you should probably talk about that at some point, Chris. I know we're coming up on the end. But I am going to talk about this really you did quick. Well, I did it in a way that wasn't necessarily healthy, though. See, that's that's it, it's partially healthy. It was healthy to lose the weight. What did you mean? What do you mean by that, Chris? <laughs> I did keto. I did the keto diet. Oh, okay. So right, which okay. can raise your cholesterol, right? Like that's one of the things they don't tell you about the keto diet is yeah, it gets the sugar out of your body and it stops the insulin uh, rushes and ups and downs and all that stuff, which is great, and you feel much better because of that. But at the same time, you have a uh, you're getting more cholesterol, and there's a chance that because you're you're eating so much protein, there's a taste for salt, <laughs> you know, and it comes with you know a lot of like bacon and, and things like that. So then I went to to plant based a plant based diet for a period of time and felt fantastic through through most all of that. Uh, and then when I went back again to eating regular food, I could 
instantly tell the addiction to the foods that I had missed. And then now I'm back to keto again. So, um, so it's possible the keto diet was, it was fascinating to me though, was cause you could lose weight without having to exercise a lot. So like that thing about the burpee, the couch burpee, mm-hmm. um, it's true. It's true. You could jump up, go get some bacon and come back and sit right back down again. You better, you better take a walk in that damn suburb you live in. Now, listen, his boy, his son, I see videos of his son playing basketball every day. Like somebody mm-hmm. got a video go out there with him. Go out somebody there and shoot a free throw. That's no, it. Just be the rebounder. I, I, I can see him through the window. But be the rebounder. <laughs> see him. I'm like, damn, you getting good. Damn, you getting good, bro. If you want to see him in college or you want to see him like down the road, you better go outside and and shoot a free throw. That's true, man. That's true. true. I know we coming up on the close. You go ahead, Ray. What what you got for us, B? Man, I think, you know, for me, one of the things that made me kind of focus on my health, man, is my daughter. Um, it wanting to walk her down the aisle and, and give her away. And then yesterday she told me, she said, I ain't marrying nobody. I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. And I was the happiest person on earth because I don't think nobody out here deserved my daughter. Right. And so, the moment that she said that, I went and ran and got some cake. Okay, it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's on there. Is, 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 that, is that how fathers with daughters like really think? Th- like real talk. Like, like is, that, yeah. is that a celebratory moment for y'all? All, all yes. y'all? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, every, so. I got four daughters. Every last one of them, at some point in their lives, like, oh no, I am only marrying you. My my four year old right now, she tells my wife, like, that's my husband. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, <laughs> and I would feel some kind of way if one of them did. I'm like, yo, what's up? Would I relate? Like, are we? You love me? This is like a whole other show. You don't love me. <laughs> but, but but closing out, I got I got a text for for a question for you, Doc. Uh, water intake. What's your what's your what's your gauge on water intake? How much should be, people be taking in, and how much is too much? How much is not enough? Yeah, you could I, die I, from I, too I, much water I, drinking. I say half your body weight in ounces. That's usually the number I just put out there. Okay. Wow, is that possible? Half your body. I mean, I do about a gallon of water a day. Oh, in ounces. Okay, you said ounces. Half your body weight in ounces. Thank you. Hey, read that part in ounces before y'all. We we don't want to kill people. You will die if you didn't have your body weight. Charles, Charles, Reef started thinking about how much he weighed and it, and it got to him. Right. So you were yeah. like, I was like, no way. I was like, I, look, so you can die from, from over Yo, drinking water. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if, crazy. If we keeping it real, what brought down the fraternity and sorority stuff was when they hazed that, 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 that person we're not doing water, that. and they died from the, all that I'm water intake. That that. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's I think that's why I ended up. I don't up know anything no. about I that Omega disavow, I disavow from this conversation. I don't know. I mean, it's in the news. I don't. <laughs> okay. I know we no. got to close out, but for the doc, I got one last question that is a medical question for real. Um, we talked about both diet and exercise, and you said something about putting something in the deposit so you could take something out or whatnot, but. You know, with keto, I clearly chose diet instead of exercise and figured out that I should do exercise and 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 eat like I want to eat. But if you had to pick one or the other as being the most uh, the biggest contributor, would you say like if you if you had a very rigorous exercise life, you could probably get away with eating almost anything that you want? Uh, vice versa. I think to a certain extent, you may be able to cover yourself, but I don't think you'd be able to completely make up for uh, having a horrible diet. Um, I think there are other benefits to exercise, not just nutritionally. I think it's a confidence thing. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier about um, physical conditions, back pains, hip pains, those conditions can unfortunately happen at a higher rate or the difficulty to recover is greater in individuals that may be more overweight. Um, again, being overweight also puts you at a higher risk for those heart disease and other conditions we mentioned earlier. So I personally feel that there is some benefits to having a component of exercise. Another thing that exercise does, as we get older, we lose muscle percentage. So the percentage of our body that's made up of muscle starts to decrease. We become more fat. Unfortunately, with that, muscle is also involved in the process of sugar. So individuals that develop type 2 diabetes, a lot of times they've developed it because they've gotten overweight and their body's natural insulin, which is the component that breaks your sugar down so you can use it as a fuel product, is not functioning as well. So you have insulin, but it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. it doesn't work, you are now going to experience the consequences of high sugar or diabetes. So I think even though the keto diet may help you with numbers, there's some other aspects of your complete health that a keto diet won't address. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do, even if it's just that one get up from the couch burpee, you do that <laughs> once now, but if that's all you can do, that's better than nothing. And that's what I try to sell because I think, again, you know, all of us are not going to be, you know, Zumba, CrossFit, Bikram yoga master. Some of us might be, yo, I could just walk to the, to the uh, mailbox and back, Mm -hmm. you know, and if that's what you can do, that's what we got to be able to adjust to. As I said earlier, you know, unfortunately in our communities, we may not have the greatest food options. However, we need to find out what are the healthiest of those options that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, Michelle Johnson in our comments is asking a question. She says, my husband, Mr. Johnson asked, asked. <laughs> uh, she said, uh, my husband just asked, is sex a form of exercise? And I don't know what y'all would say, but I would say if you're doing it right, yes. But what well, would you say? Now, on a medical tip, if you can't exercise, like say if you were a person that came in and said to me, you know, every time I start running, I get chest pain. You ain't built to have sex right there. Because what you're going to do is you're going to probably die on her chest. That's a good way to go, though. Yo, yo, and on that note, we're going into closing thoughts. We will start with you first, Chris, because I know you're going to say something crazy. Go ahead. I'm not going to say nothing crazy. I'm just going to say, you know, that's not a bad way to go. But um, like, listen, I think this is a great show because we don't get to talk about these type of things in the open. I do have questions like medical questions. Uh, and I am getting to be an age like not getting to be. I'm there already. Really, like you start to know, start noticing differences in your knees, you know, your hips, your uh, things you used to be able to do easily aren't as easy anymore whatnot. And it's the wake up call that you're not invincible. And also, I'm at the age of which. There's people my age having heart attacks. 
like there was a period of time where I thought of heart attack as like an old person's thing. Uh, well, I must be old now because uh, people are starting to have heart attacks around me a lot. Like not just around me. I shouldn't say around me. But when I look at the age of people that are having heart attacks, it's often my age. So um, so everything I heard today is instructive. I'm just going to end by saying I don't think that any of this is easy, though. Changing your diet, eating better, uh, giving up foods that you love, giving up processed foods, all that, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. All right. Reef. Yeah. No, I, one, I just uh, I'm thinking about like my upbringing. So we didn't have sugar in the house at all as a kid. And I, so mm. I, at some point I need to kind of get back to everything that I hated growing up was like no sugar. I mean, absolutely no sugar was in the house. Right. And so um, every once in a while, I think I got addicted just because of that. Once we left, we we're like, oh, my gosh, look at this. This is beautiful. Right. And so, you know, I think the the addiction piece is, is real. Um, and not easy. I also just appreciate, you know, having the, the good doctor on. Right. You know, I, I think when we talk about like, you know, trust science, trust doctors, you know, that's not always easy. Right. You know, just two days ago was the 46th, uh, you know, uh, so-called anniversary of of when the Washington Star exposed the Tuskegee study on untreated syphilis in a Negro male. Right. That was just 46 years ago. When that uh, when that kind of got out into the public. Right. And that was scientists and doctors. And so I appreciate, um, you know, our guests, folks like uh, I gave her a shout out, Dr. Eli Stanford, uh, who's been doing incredible work with uh, Corona in these streets. And so just, uh, you know, really appreciate that and just having that understanding. I would say, you know what, let's have a food revolution, exercise revolution. Right. Like, you know, it, just like uh, the doctor said, we can have a uh, just do what you can. You can grow most vegetables in pots, you know, in your in, in the window in your house, you know. Um, and so, like, you know, let's try to do that. And for for folks like Chris who are worried about screen time and all that kind of stuff, they'll get some chickens and some goats, man. Nothing cuts down screen time and cleaning up some uh, animal poop. So, man, you know, my children ain't trying to have that madness. What's wrong with you? My children are all like living on green acres. What's, what, what is wrong with you, bro? Charles, Charles, is on you. Hey, now I, I, I appreciate this episode. I think we asked some some questions that that was uh, that was near and dear to us. And and you know, I know we bicker a lot, but you know, I know we love each other a whole bunch. And I want to see. I think y'all are some great fathers. And great husbands. And I know we want to see each other being here, you know, because uh, them health scares are real. Like, and we've had conversations offline, you know, so I'm glad we got to do this talk. I'm glad we got to have some levity in it. But, you know, because sometimes that's how we get through things. Um, I'm really concerned about the school piece for the reasons that we've brought up about the, t- t- the Tuskegee piece. Um, and then I think my final thought was you got to build healthy, like eating habits in your kids early and young. I was a corner store connoisseur, man. Like I could go to the corner store and get some hot chip, some hot Cheetos. They will put nacho cheese in it and give me jalapenos. And then I could get some salami and cheese and eat with it and then get a, a, a Sprite for like four dollars. You know, what I'm saying four or five dollars. And I'm at the point as an adult where I have to like retrain myself to actually drink water. Like it's a it is a active chore. Like the fellas have seen me like make myself drink water. Right. So uh, it's hard to break habits, um, but I hope that we do it. And uh, and I appreciate folks like Reef that does all those things with their kids. I It would have been tough for me. But, you know, if you start somebody early, it, it don't sound that crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Doc. 
Close us out, baby. What are your closing thoughts? Well, you know, I would first say, you know, Ray, fellas, thank you very much for allowing me to join you. I definitely enjoyed the conversation. Um, I agree with you. I think that, you know, again, um, levity does allow people to hear and listen. Um, We need to all have a primary care doctor or some type of apparatus that you check in with regularly to find out your blood pressure, uh, your BMI, and some basic lab work. Um, I think Corona is still here, so we've got to do what we need to do to have the results that we would like to have. If we want our kids safe, then we've got to start working at it now. We need to get involved with the decision-making process with our schools. We need to start teaching our children about what this new normal will require out of them. We need to start teaching them again how important it is to be able to pivot, to understand the differences of this virtual learning, but understand the necessity of us specifically on getting it. And we need to make sure that we better our position in this society that we call America before the next pandemic comes. Because if we don't like how we are being positioned and treated right now, and we're talking about health in in addition to other things, then we've got to start coming up with a personal process, a community process, a nationwide process to make it so that we don't have somebody's foot on our neck the next time something like this happens. So again, fellas, you guys stay vigilant, you stay safe, and thank you very much. Sir, I have a gift for you. I have a gift for you. Uh, On behalf of of the eight black hands, I will deliver it to you uh, the next time I see you. Uh, But that doesn't sound right. If you're going to deliver it to me, how is it going to be the next time you see me? Bro, because I can see you uh, whenever. So that means you're going to bring it to me, right? Yeah. I'm going to deliver it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's right. And I'm going to let you know in advance so we can have that curry chicken thing we're supposed to do. I got you, baby. I'm going to make a special pot for you. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So you guys have been listening to the Eight Black Hands episode 72. I hope you were able to get something out of it. If you like us, make sure you uh, press the heart or do something. Well, Charles, Charles, you are, Charles, Charles, come on, man. Share, share the show, comment, like it, and we will see you all next time. Thank you so much for the 86 shares that we've already gotten. It helps us out a lot, and it makes sure that we can reach a broader audience, and we couldn't do that without you all. So, Charles, I asked you to do that last week, and you, all right. <laughs> you have been listening to the 8 Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.